WHHFM Indianapolis. It's Indie Speaks. Your Life Matters. Hosted by Cameron Rick. All right, good morning, Indianapolis. 7 o'clock here in the Circle City. Good morning to you. I'm Cameron Riddle on the show this morning. A lot going on, and of course, it's all about the community. But first, we will be beginning with a developing story that you heard about on Friday. That story with IPS and a sexual misconduct incident. Uh, there is now an incident around that incident. And the investigative reporter, Mar- Marissa Kukowski from the Indianapolis Star, will be joining us on our Indie Speaks line in moments. We'll hear from her and why her reporting shows that IPS waited six days to report that there was a sexual misconduct incident on IPS grounds. We'll talk about that. Plus, we've got another day of primary and caucuses down. And this morning, our man Donald Trump, another day closer to the White House. We'll talk about that and also help you understand why it is Republicans don't even want Donald Trump. We'll talk about that coming up later this hour and a story that you saw me tease on our Instagram last night. There is a group right here in Indianapolis who wants to donate for prom. It's prom giveaways. We'll hear about that toward the bottom of the hour, say around 7.30, 7.40. You want to stay tuned for that. We've got all that and more coming up this morning, but first... Let's get you caught up on this morning's top stories. New this morning, Metro Police are investigating a fatal shooting on the city's west side. Around 6.45 last night, police responded to a report of shots fired in the 600 block of North North Exeter Avenue near Michigan Street and Tibbs Avenue. When officers arrived, they found a male in his late teens or early 20s laying on the ground near some bushes between two houses. That man was pronounced dead at the scene. Witnesses told police they heard four or five shots and saw a man running from the scene and drive away in a maroon Grand Am. Police are investigating a serious crash that sent a man and two children to the hospital. According to WRTV, it happened around 1.30 Saturday morning near Pendleton Pike and 52nd Street. Police say a 21-year-old man was driving and two passengers were in the truck when it crashed into two mobile homes. All three were taken to the hospital but are expected to survive their injuries. There was one person inside one of those mobile homes, but they were not injured. Authorities do believe alcohol played a factor in the crash. Two men were killed Friday in a matter of hours, and police need your help to find out who did it. Friday, IMPD was called to the 700 block of North Grant Avenue around 5.30 for a report of a person shot. When they arrived, they found 37-year-old Dewan Williams suffering from a gunshot wound. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Officers were dispatched to a second shooting just after 8 p.m. in the 3200 block of Gladstone Avenue. There they found 18-year-old Tyron Whitley suffering from a gunshot wound to the torso. Whitley was taken to Eskenazi Hospital but was pronounced dead a short time later. This morning, these crimes are still not solved in anyone with information. And either shooting is asked to call Crime Stoppers. Their number is 317-262-8477. That's 317-262-TIPS. In the forecast, we'll see mostly cloudy skies with a high of 35 degrees. Right now, I guess this is as warm as it'll get. It is 35 degrees and Indy. This morning, we start with a developing story that you might have saw as breaking news 
from the Indianapolis Star Friday afternoon involving Indianapolis public schools. The big headline was that IPS superintendent and five other staff members may have failed to report a case of sexual misconduct, child abuse to state officials in a timely manner. In February, it was reported that a parent uh, found a case, suspected a case of misconduct between her student and an IPS guidance counselor. She then went to school officials who, it appears, took immediate action to remove that guidance counselor from the presence of students she was placed on leave. School officials knew about this and they handled the situation on their end. What appears to be the problem, though, is that IPS superintendent and at least five other officials who knew about this incident did not report it to the Department of Child Services as law requires them to do within a timely fashion. IPS waited six days before they notified state officials. As we learned from the Indianapolis Star on Friday, that fact is a problem. And IPS superintendent Dr. Lewis Farabee agrees, saying that this is a clear case of incompetence. What apparently is going on, based on my reading from the reporting from the Indianapolis Star, is that Dr. Farabee, who as well knew that there was a case of child abuse, sexual misconduct in IPS, also did not report this issue to the Department of Child Services. Yet, apparently the article only blamed the five other people that had knowledge of an incident at IPS. So to clear up what has been happening, to tell us the latest developments and help us understand why this story is important and why the headline that says IPS superintendent and five others violated state law is a little bit ironic. Joining me on the Indy Speaks line is Marissa Kwiatkowski. She is an investigative reporter for the Indianapolis Star and broke this story Friday afternoon. Marissa, good morning. What is going on here? Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for your reporting. Uh, Dr. Farabee said that there were five people who uh, did not do their job in reporting the sexual misconduct to the state when he himself uh, knew about the sexual misconduct as well. That's what court records in our interviews seem to indicate, yes. For people who are not familiar with the situation... Uh, could you explain what the law says, what your reporting has found that uh, IPS officials were supposed to do when they were notified of a situation involving a student and a staff member? Certainly. So there are two different Indiana laws at play here. The first one is a universal mandatory reporting law. So Indiana law requires anyone, regardless of what position they hold, if they suspect child abuse or neglect, they have a duty and obligation to report it. People who fail to do so could be charged with a misdemeanor. In addition to that law, there's another law that talks about the notification to DCS by individuals in charge of an institution, a school, a facility, or an agency. And that one requires certain school officials to immediately report instances of suspected child abuse at their institutions to either DCS or law enforcement. And that word immediately has been the target of a recent Supreme Court case in which the Supreme Court justices found that four hours in that case was too long. Hmm. Here it was six days. Mm -hmm. Uh, As your report says, it quotes Dr. Farabee saying that this is a clear case of incompetence. Yet, a school spokeswoman confirmed to the Indianapolis Star that Farabee himself learned of the allegations on February 17th, but also did not report them to the Indiana Department of Child Services. Uh, Why is that in itself important? 
Well, it's important because he was taking his employees to task, saying that they had failed in their obligations to immediately report it to authorities, yet by all indications he did the same thing. And as the head of that institution, he is responsible for either making the report or causing the report to be made, which neither of which occurred in this instance. So at some point throughout this investigation, no matter what school it was, the superintendent is responsible for making some sort of conversation with state officials? Well, again, Indiana is a universal reporting state, which means that anyone who suspects child abuse or neglect has a duty to report it. So, yes, he did have a duty. Um, also, as the head of that institution, he had a responsibility to report it as well. Uh, as you said, uh, court records indicated that IPS uh, waited six days to report the allegations. Uh, this was a case involving a guidance counselor and two students, uh, 37-year-old Shanna Taylor. Uh, she was charged Wednesday with nine felony counts of child seduction, one felony count of dissemination uh, uh, Yes, dissemination of matter harmful to minors and one mis misdemeanor count of contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Uh, that's according to court documents. Uh, so as far as uh, the process of how all this story broke, um, could you explain what that process was uh, as far as there was a parent who went to school officials and said there's something going on here? What was the, uh, the timeline after that? Sure. So the timeline began on February 17th when a mother contacted William Jensen, the assistant principal at Positive Supports Academy, to report suspected misconduct involving her son and Shanna Taylor. She showed Jensen copies of messages and inappropriate photos that she had. Jensen then contacted the principal of the school, who was on medical leave at the time but came in to address the situation. Jensen also contacted a number of other officials and forwarded them copies again of the messages and photos. On February 18th, so the day after the allegations became known, an HR person met with Taylor and placed her on administrative leave. And, you know, school officials talked a lot about ensuring that Taylor would have no further contact with students, that they were very quick to do that. However, they did not report it to DCS until February 23rd, which was six days after they learned of it. So let's be clear here. IPS, when they did find out that there was a situation between a staff member and a student, did take uh, what appears to be immediate action to make sure that that uh, contact no longer continued on school property. Uh, school officials took action and put that employee on leave. Uh, but the issue with the story here is that, by law, these same school officials also have to let the Department of Child Services know that there is an issue, correct? Correct. So since that was not done, but action was still taken, is there still an overarching issue? Could the school officials face some type of punishment? I know from your report, uh, Dr. Faraby said they will be going through additional training to make sure something like this doesn't happen again. Uh, he said there was a communication breakdown. Um, but at the end of the day, it sounds like they're saying we still did our job to make sure that the situation uh, no longer continued. But by law, there's still a problem here, right? Well, 
I wouldn't say that he said that they did their jobs. In fact, he was very emphatic in saying that it was an unacceptable delay that they didn't report it immediately and that there was clear incompetence involved because they knew their obligation to report, yet they did not do so. So he was very clear that he did not feel that they did their jobs appropriately, although he did credit them for ensuring that she had no further contact with students. He also said during a news conference on Friday that the district will aggressively pursue disciplinary action against school employees who failed to immediately report it. Now, he, uh, a spokeswoman after that press conference would not comment on whether or not he might face disciplinary action, and as of 5 p.m. Friday, the school board had not yet commented on that situation. So from this point forward, what happens on the state level with possible, I I guess at this point, breaking uh, the law of not reporting in a timely fashion? Um, Could we, will we be hearing from state officials at some point who will take action for punishment? So there's really two avenues here that could take place. Uh, One, which I already mentioned, is the disciplinary action through the school district, and the other is uh, potential for misdemeanor criminal charge of failure to report. Um, That would be a responsibility of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. Now, when I spoke with them earlier in the week, they said that the matter was still under investigation, that they would not comment on whether or not any officials would face criminal charges for their failure to report. So it sounds like, uh, as the cliche we say in this business, there's more to come. More to come, yes. Well, Marissa, uh, thank you for your reporting, and thank you for taking a few minutes out to uh, explain to myself and my listeners uh, why this story is important and why it's a little bit ironic. And bef- But before I, wanna le- before I let you go, I, I just want to ask, when you were doing your reporting, uh, was there ever a point where Dr. Farabee took some of that blame for not reporting? No. Interesting. So we will be waiting to hear uh, from uh, Dr. Farabee's office as well, uh, because as you said, according to court documents that you found from your reporting, uh, Dr. Farabee did indeed know that there was a situation, but he did not uh, report that to the Department of Child Services, but said the other five people involved who did know uh, were incompetent and uh, there was a miscommunication in the handling of the situation. So, as I said, more to come, and we know that we will uh, be able to read about it uh, from your reporting in the Indianapolis Star. So, Marissa, thank you so much. Thank you. And we've got more to come this hour on Indy Speaks. Coming up next, we're talking about my man, Donald Trump. He's not really my man, but... He is clowning out there, and he is great entertainment content. But the problem is the man is running for president of the United States. We'll tell you what all the controversy has happened this week and why this morning he's another day closer to 1600 Pennsylvania Street. I'm Cameron Riddle. You're listening to Indy Speaks, and we'll be right back after this. What's up? It's your man, Ann Paris, and you checking out my good friend Cameron Riddle right here on Hot 96.3 at the new show for the community, Indie Speaks. Holla! And we're back this morning on Indie Speaks, and we are talking presidential politics. It's a big story that uh, we've been following every week. And as we told you back in, I think it was November, that the chances of Donald Trump becoming the next president of the United States is very real. 
And as weeks go on and debates go by and primaries and caucuses are in the books, the chance that Donald Trump is the next president continues to be very, very real. After this last debate uh, this last week, we saw more challenges from his Republican Party and the field of Republican candidates who are contesting uh, Donald Trump to become the nominee of the party. That field continues to shrink. On Friday, Dr. Ben Carson, the neurosurgeon, locked up shop and is now out of the race. So now there remains four people vying for the Republican nomination. That is Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and John Kasich. Joining us on the Indy Speaks line this morning to talk about what is going on in the presidential field and to help us understand why is it that the Republican Party all of a sudden wants nothing to do with Donald Trump. Our political contributor, Payne Horning, joins us this morning. Payne, good morning. Cam, good early morning to you. All right, Payne. I think that this has to be one of the most outrageous, unconventional, unprecedented presidential campaigns in modern history and perhaps even u.s history i mean donald trump the front runner which was totally unexpected six months ago talked about the size of his well uh, trump tower him mm-hmm. uh, during a presidential debate who ever thought that we would sink this low well between that and mitt romney coming out to talk about how bad of a presidential candidate Donald Trump is, we've never seen this kind of thing. I mean, what the hell is going on? Well, exactly. As this campaign has progressed, and as you mentioned, the field has shrunk, these candidates have finally said, you know what, with the exception of John Kasich, mind you, you know what, we need to just get into the scrum, get our hands dirty, because, hey, if it works for Trump, it could work for us, right? So Marco Rubio has gone after Trump for the size of his hands and other appendages, and uh, also for his spray tan. During the debate, Trump called Marco Rubio Lil Marco, and uh, he called Ted Cruz, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, lying Ted. So this has just, you know, any kind of, you know, respect and manners have completely gone out the window. They're gone, Cam. We've passed them. They're old news. I mean, on an entertainment level, this stuff is great. But we're talking about a you presidential... Can't look away. Yeah, no, it's like a train wreck because you can't look away. But since we're talking about the presidential election, one of these guys that are up on the stage calling what you want, choke artists, heavy, lightweight, <laughs> whatever, one of them is going to be the Republican nominee and possibly the next president of the United States. Absolutely. They have just as great of a shot as their more reserved uh, opponents on the Democratic side, Clinton and Sanders. They've had moments where it's gotten very contentious between the two of them, but they have never really gone outside the boundaries of etiquette that's expected from presidential candidates. On the Republican side, Trump has rewritten the rules, Cameron, on almost everything, including decorum. 
Well, you know, everyone may be asking, why is everybody talking about the Republican uh, candidate so much? What about Bernie and Hillary? Really, at this point, in all honesty, it looks like Hillary Clinton has got this thing all locked up and is on her way to becoming the Democratic nominee. And between the two of them, they get along for the most part. They like each other. They respect each other. There's not much entertainment on that side. There's not much to speculate about. It's all pretty much written up until the convention. On the Republican side, though, it is a non-stop entertainment and news cycle, whether it be something that Chris Christie has said or done or standing up there looking like a hostage or Donald Trump or and then, a, a, you know, round two, here comes Mitt Romney. And then on the other side, Trump responds like it's like WWE. Well, Cam, exactly. It's like a car race on, on both ends. So you've got NASCAR and the Democratic and Republican fields. The difference is what was so shocking on the Democratic side is that Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, an independent, he's not even a Democrat, let's remember that, an independent and self-described Democratic socialist caught up to Clinton and even overtook her at one point, winning New Hampshire's primary by a large amount. And so you've got these two cars that are back and forth, and Hillary is starting to make up some ground and, and surpass Bernie to the point where his remaining fight may be insurmountable. Whereas the Republican side, this is like a NASCAR race where there's a car pile up, and at this point the cars that aren't damaged enough to keep driving are just inching forward. Some are on fire. Some people are getting out and trying to uh, poke the tires and slash the tires of their opponents. So that's the difference you have between these two fields. And it's quite entertaining, but you're right. At the end of the day, one of, this, one of these people will be the next president of the United States, barring some unforeseen event. And right now, Clinton and Trump are starting to take the lead in such a way that it would be difficult for their opponents to catch up. All right, let me play a clip from the Fox News debate from uh, this week with Trump and Rubio sparring over who would best perform against Hillary Clinton because for the Republicans at this point, they are trying to make the case on who is going to be the best nominee to beat Hillary Clinton. This is from the Fox News debate earlier this week. The people on the stage, he performs the worst against Hillary Clinton. Wrong. I beat Hillary Clinton. I beat Hillary Clinton in many polls. I beat Hillary Clinton in many polls. If you're our nominee, I think I'm talking. I beat Hillary Clinton Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I hope you can... The audience cannot understand when you're talking over each other. Finish your point, Mr. Trump. I beat Hillary Clinton in many polls. The Q poll just came out. I beat Hillary Clinton in a recent Fox poll. I beat Hillary Clinton in USA Today. I beat her today in a poll in Ohio. I beat, I'm the only one that beats Hillary Clinton. I beat her, and I haven't, I have not started on Hillary yet. Believe me, I will start soon. I haven't even started. Okay. Uh, yeah, good stuff there. Another example of the sparring and Donald Trump, who just likes to uh, basically repeat his same points. And when he does it, uh, people seem to love it. Uh, but again, right, right at, at this point, it's all about who's going to beat Hillary Clinton. And everybody is making the case for why that is them. Exactly, Cameron. And I think Donald Trump prescribes to this notion that if he says something a certain number of times, that will make it true as though it's some kind of magic. Listen, there were maybe at some point at one time a suppose that said uh, Donald Trump could beat Hillary Clinton in a head-to-head -head matchup. 
but CBS this morning did uh, an evaluation of several polls in recent months to see how those head-to-head matchups would work. And every other Republican candidate still in this field beats Hillary Clinton in a head-to-head matchup if the election were held today except for Donald Trump. And here's the reason why. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, out of all the candidates, even from the beginning of this very long presidential contest, have had the highest negative ratings of anyone else. So when uh, Clinton is matched with people who have more positive ratings than her, uh, if the election were held this early, then she loses, unless it's to Donald Trump, because basically, Cam, he's hated more than she is. Well, and, and that's the thing. A lot of people are saying that one of the reasons why Donald Trump is hated so much is because of the way that he conducts himself, the way he uh, gives everybody a nickname. He uses uh, curse words in his speeches. He is a totally unconventional candidate. Uh, let me play a clip here. This is Ted Cruz uh, saying that cursing doesn't make Donald Trump a tough guy. Brett, you know, I think the American people understand that yelling and cursing at people doesn't make you a tough guy. We need a commander in chief that, number one, will rebuild the military, just like Ronald Reagan did in 1981, coming out of the weak Jimmy Carter administration. He passed tax reform and regulatory reform. The economy took off. It generated millions in high-paying jobs, trillions in new revenue. He rebuilt the military, bankrupted the Soviet Union, and won the Cold War. As president, I will do the exact same thing with radical Islamic terrorism. We will rebuild this military so that it remains the mightiest fighting force on the face of the planet. And then when I am commander in chief, every militant on the face of the earth will understand that if they go and join ISIS, if they wage jihad against the United States of America, they are signing their death warrant. That was Ted Cruz talking about why he's a tough guy and that Donald Trump is not just because he likes to use curse words. And at this point in the campaign season, uh, everyone on the Republican end is starting to basically fall apart and trying to make alternative plans so that Donald Trump is not the Republican nominee. However, the bottom line is no matter if Ted Cruz may be the better guy or Marco Rubio or John Kasich, no matter what the... Uh, commentators say on TV, I've seen over and over the commentators say not what's true, but what they want to see, that Donald Trump can't win, that Donald Trump won't win, that people don't like Donald Trump. People are going to wake up and realize that Donald Trump is not the guy, and that simply is not true. What we've been seeing in these primaries and these caucuses over the past couple of weeks is that Donald Trump is winning fair and square. And for any Republican or any political person to try and come up with another plan to make those votes not count, to tell the millions of people that who have who have now gone out to vote for Donald Trump that you know what? Don't care that you went out to vote. Donald Trump is bad and we are going to try and come up with a new plan. That's crazy. Right, Cameron. And you have to look at the math here. Donald Trump has won ten states. Throw away all of the rhetoric, and you, as, as you mentioned, uh, his lack of temperament sometimes that would be um, worthy of a president. But if you look at the math, he has 329 delegates. Cruz, who is in second place, who has won four states, has 231 delegates. And this is, uh, as of Friday numbers, Cameron, so 
you know, we have several contests on Saturday and today, Sunday. Um, so things are changing rapidly as these delegates are sorted out. But you're right. This may ultimately come down to what they call a contested convention. And basically what that is, is when the Republicans meet for their national convention this summer in Cleveland, typically what happens is one candidate at that point has won a majority, 1,237 delegates, by winning each state. What they're trying to do with Donald Trump is keep these candidates in the races. So Marco Rubio can win Florida, John Kasich can win Ohio, and they can bleed the number of delegates Donald Trump can win. So he won't have a majority. And Cameron, on that convention day, there's going to be a vote. And if Donald Trump doesn't win 1,237 delegates, then there's a second vote. And that second vote is everything to these remaining three candidates. Because basically, it's a contested uh, convention at that point. And all of those delegates that had voted for Trump because they were, quote, pledged to him, because he had won them fair and square, as you said, they no longer have to be uh, loyal to him. They can go and vote for whomever they think will best represent the grand old party come uh, November 2016. And at that point, any one of these four Republican candidates left standing could have a case for why they should be the winner of the second vote. Okay, let's talk about the delegates that you just mentioned because let's and let's stick with Friday numbers because as uh, as you said we need to they need to get to one thousand two hundred and thirty seven delegates from the states to win the nomination as of Friday. Donald Trump had three hundred and twenty nine. Ted Cruz had two hundred and thirty one. Marco Rubio had one hundred and ten. John Kasich had twenty five. And on the Democratic side, Hillary Clinton has one thousand fifty eight. And Bernie Sanders with 431. So on the schedule for this Sunday, uh, there are several states. As you mentioned, you've got the main Democratic caucuses, the Puerto Rico Republican primary today, Tuesday, Hawaii's Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi. And then just yesterday, Saturday, we had Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine and Nebraska. So much is going to change uh, in the 48 hours of this weekend and if everything goes as the polling is indicated donald trump is going to continue to be in the lead absolutely and right now these states matter their delegates matter but what's ultimately important remaining in this gop race is march 15th because ohio and florida vote that day and it's a winner take all state you get all of Ohio's 60-some delegates and all of Florida's 99 delegates. And that could mean the difference between uh, Cruz overtaking Trump or other candidates taking Ohio and Florida and stealing away what Trump would need to reach that 1,237 uh, mark to win the nomination outright. And those, so states, are cru- those states are crucial for uh, Marco Rubio because at this point he's got to prove that at least the people in his own state like him. And at this point, according to the polls, Donald Trump is winning there. Right. If he doesn't win Florida, even at a contested convention, it's hard to think that he would have a real shot at winning that second vote. Um, but Cameron, the chairman of the Republican Party, Reince Priebus, has said, it is highly unlikely a contested convention will actually occur. And he said he will do everything in his power uh, to support the nominee. So at this point, there is a fear that if this contested convention 
scenario plays out, which makes a lot of anti-Trump people happy, that it would upset the thousands, the hundreds of thousands, the millions of people who have cast votes for Donald Trump, and they would see it as the establishment essentially stealing the race from them. That would have possibly catastrophic results, because what if Donald Trump is so upset he decides to run as a third-party candidate? So the Republicans are really mired in a very complex and it seems like a winner... Win or less race at this point. I mean, if they don't want Donald Trump at this point, they're pretty much screwed because Donald Trump is winning this thing and he's doing it very well. And one thing that popped up this week uh, was uh, Tavis Smiley. Uh, he talked about uh, the Donald Trump is starting to convince people more and more that he is the best candidate. And a large group of that people that he says he thinks. Donald Trump could win 15% of the black vote, which I think is a bunch of hoobla. That, that's a bunch of baloney. That is not going to happen. One of the reasons why is because, as we saw, a lot of people were starting to uh, uh, pick it up over the weekend uh, was the clip of Donald Trump uh, escorting Donald Trump protesters, excuse me, his supporters escorting uh, black protesters out of a uh, Louisville uh, speech that he had, and it 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 just screamed uh, uh, lots of racism. There, there, people have already been putting side by side pictures of 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 what happened at that speech to what has happened, you know, fifty years ago. Um, so I say all that to say, as he is convincing some people, I don't think he's going to get fifteen percent of the black vote. But for the first time, uh, Donald Trump said something the other day in the debate that I actually was like, you know what? That was a pretty good answer there, Donnie. That was pretty good. And the answer was on uh, his defense of flexibility. Uh, I'm going to play that clip for you because while uh, I don't think he's going to convince 15% of black people to vote for him, this is, a, this is an example of how Donald Trump uh, can give a good answer and then convince people that he is the right choice for president. Here's this clip from the Fox News debate. Boris, you change your tune on so many things, and that has some people saying, what is his core? Megan, I have a very strong core. I have a very strong core. But I've never seen a successful person who wasn't flexible, who didn't have a certain degree of flexibility. You have to have a certain degree of flexibility. You can't, for instance, let's say on, on the second question, you can't say uh, it's okay, and then you find out it's not okay, and you don't want to do anything. You have to be flexible because you learn. I mean, before I knew, you know, the question was asked by Bill, and the next day or the couple of days later, the question was asked by, by you know, I, I was asked by a number of people, actually. I was asked by Sean, but I was asked by a number of people. But by that time, the number had increased significantly. Sean was the next day after Bill. The next day. But I had learned. That's one of the examples uh, of Donald Trump also going into one of his rambling answers. He's always kind of like a kid trying to explain uh, why he got a bad grade and he did it uh, with <laughs> with that whole Trump University thing. It's not a D minus. It's not a D minus. It was elevated to an A. Well, the report card says there's a D minus here, Donald. But I turned that assignment in. I find it hilarious. Um, but he always wins. He never loses. No. I mean, that's Trump's motto is that. You know, no matter what, I can make this a rosy picture for you. And you're absolutely right. A lot of people saw Donald Trump's response to that question as, hey, that's actually not a bad answer. 
for Democrats, for Republicans, for mainstreams. So many people are upset that Washington is in gridlock constantly. So to hear a presidential candidate say, I'm willing to work across the aisle when some candidates like Ted Cruz have said, it's my way or the highway, it was refreshing to a lot of people. But that's also what turns off so many Republicans, Cameron, because, yes, there's an issue with Donald Trump's temperament as they see it. But there's also an issue as they see it with his liberal policies. For example, Cam, um, Donald Trump has said multiple times Planned Parenthood is more than just an abortion service. And it's true. Only a small percentage of what Planned Parenthood actually does um, is related to abortions. A lot of it is just about women's health. And he stood up for that. That is something you do not hear in a Republican debate typically. Bottom line, at this point, people like Donald Trump, and we are going to see over this weekend how he does and how much closer he he is to the Republican nomination. That's going to wrap it up for this uh, for this discussion. For now, Payne, we got to a lot of good uh, good topics, and uh, you know we'll continue to stay on top of the race for 2016. Payne Horning, our political contributor. Thanks, Payne. Thanks, Cam. All right, still to come this morning, prom season. It is here, and we know there are some of you out there who cannot afford the thousands of dollars that some people pour into prom season. So that is why this morning, coming up, I've got a woman who wants to help you, and she also needs a little help from you to help her so she can then, again, help you get ready for prom. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. I'm Cameron Moto, and this is Indy Speaks, exclusively on Hot 96.3. Hey, Nantown, this is your boy Ricky Smiley, and you're listening to Indie Speaks with Cameron Riddle on Hot 96.3. Join the conversation and let your voice be heard by dialing in and calling 239-9696. Now back to Indie Speaks, Your Life Matters with Cameron Riddle. Nap time, it's your boy Ricky Smiley, and you're getting your news right from Cameron Riddle. And be sure to wake up tomorrow morning to the Ricky Smiley Morning Show from 6 to 10 on Hot 96.3. All right, good morning, and we are back on Indie Speaks. I'm Cameron Riddle, and it is prom season. And so as we always do here on the show, we've got people who are wanting to help you get ready for prom season. Uh, because, you know, some people will spend thousands of dollars for this one night of high school. I mean, it's great and all, but I don't know if it's $1,000 great. Anyway. Uh, let's get you ready because as the season comes, uh, we know bills are going to come and not everybody can afford to, uh, spend, like I said, those thousands of dollars, uh, for prom. So in the studio with me, uh, from our organization called Dim Real Diamonds is Latrice Croon and Kendra Young. They are here this morning in the studio, uh, to reach out one to help you. And at the same time, they might need a little help from you. So ladies, good morning. Okay, so tell me about uh, this idea and why you felt it was important to reach out for prom. Well, it started last year, um, and our president, Coco, she wanted to do something different, and we all decided to reach out to help those who were in need and could not afford to get prom dresses, shoes, their hair done, a haircut, and so as grown women who've already been through prom in high school, we all realize, you know, how tedious and how much the cost is. So we just decided that it was something 
we wanted to do to help the community. Tell me about Demerol Diamonds. This you guys do things throughout the year, um, but this part of the year you want to focus on prompts. What do you do the other eleven months of the year? Yes, um, we do this annual prom drive. We also do an annual blessing bags where we collect all type of different items for the homeless. And just throughout the year, we just work in the community. We help other organizations. We go out to the library on Sundays, pass out food, hot chocolate. We also help another organization called C4V, Citizens for Vets. And we just help wherever we're needed. We just basically, you know, all about community service. Mm -hmm. You know there's going to be some people who will need your help uh, between now and, you know, all the proms across town in May. What do people... um, how can, how can they get some help from, from you? How, how does the process work? The process works. Uh, we have 80 slots for students to sign up starting wow. March 8th at 9 a.m. Uh, you can go to D-E-M-R-A-R-E-D-I-A-M-O-N-D-S-I-N-D-Y dot evenbright dot com. Um, we have... I think it's, yeah, Manual High School on April the 8th where people, well, the students will be able to come from 4.30 to 7 p.m. And also we have another uh, a drive where we're asking donations for tuxes and dresses, shoes, accessories um, on April the 3rd at Donato's and Speedway. We also need... Um, like racks to hang the clothes mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. hangers, and that's where the community comes in. So, as far as the the suits and the dresses, mm-hmm. do you already have that, or are you collecting donations for that? How's that work? We're collecting donations for those. Also, last year we just did a prom drive. Mm-hmm. So this year we wanted to not only help the young ladies, but we wanted to help the young men. Mm-hmm. So so far it has been, I mean, great. We've had donations from coworkers from people in our families so it's it's been going good so far i'm gonna put all this information up on our website at indiehiphop.com so you can go back through and try to get that information again so kendra what's your role in all this i am the secretary okay so i just write down the notes at the daily so at the daily meeting what are people what, what are you hearing that uh people might actually need or are you hearing um you know, is, is there a need around town for for this kind of thing? Are you hearing from a lot of people who um, think this is a great idea? I put this up on our Instagram last night, and I already got a couple messages from people like, so what is this thing, and how do I uh, get signed up for it? So what are you hearing? Um, well, we need, um, I hear we need a little bit of everything. So um, a lot of people I have, um, I'm, I just moved here from Florida, mm-hmm. like, Mm-hmm. Um, so I really don't know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I just, my co-workers, a lot of them said they need prom dress. They have daughters and um, just young men. With mm-hmm. So uh, so, what, so what's the process? Is there, what do you have to do to be eligible to get one of these prom dresses? Is it a certain high school? Do you have to be a junior or senior or a GPA? What's the deal? There is no requirements. If you're in need, we're trying to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, for girls, uh, especially, did you both go to prom? 
Yes. Okay, so then you know how important, and you know, that entire day is from the hair, the makeup, the shoes, the dress. For guys, you know, everybody's really wearing the same suit. I forget, somebody just made a joke about that. might have been Chris Rock. But everybody's wearing the same suit. It's a different color with a name on it, but it's a jacket and some pants and some shoes. It's the exact same thing. But for girls, you know, it is it's something very, very special. Um, I have a feeling that there is a little bit of mentorship in, in mixed in all of this as well for a lot of these girls that you might meet. Am I right? You are correct. Um, last year, we helped so many young women um we actually spent time with two of them but we went into short ridge high school and it was really really a sight to see they were able to even fit those students who were disabled Mm -hmm. who you know parents really wanted them to go to prom Mm -hmm. to go to prom but yeah there is mentoring involved also um our organization it started in 2014 here and you know, you have to be 21 to be in the organization, but mm-hmm. we call the younger ladies little diamonds in the rough, the mm-hmm. ones that, you know, we bring along underneath our wings. So, mm-hmm. yes, there is some mentoring involved. So what can people do if they're listening and they want to help donate or they got some hangers and some racks or they've got clothes for you? Uh, how can they contact you for that portion? Uh, they can give us a call at 317-699-2373. We'll be having a a donation meet and greet on March the 13th from 2 to 4 at 16th Park Community off of 16th and College. And as far as people who are now listening and they're like, okay, I need some help with, with some shoes or a dress or a tux, same number? What's the number again? Same number, 317-699-2373. 2373. Okay. We got to run. Latrice and Kendra. Uh, Demro Diamonds, uh, an organization right here in Indianapolis who is wanting to help out our Indianapolis teens uh, as they get ready for prom. Uh, it is now time. The snow is gone. Spring is here. Spring break is kicking up this week for a lot of people. So that means sp- um, prom is right around the corner. So Uh, If you need a little help with getting ready for prom or if you want to help somebody else uh, get ready for prom, contact uh, Latrice and Kendra. We're going to put that information up on our website at IndieHipHop.com and on our Twitter at Hot963. If you're not already following, get there and get this information. Give me that phone number one more time. 317-699-2373. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Indie Speaks. I'm Cameron Rudolph. I want to thank uh, Indie Star investigative reporter Marissa Kwiatkowski for waking up early this morning to give us that update on what is going on with IPS. Our political contributor, Payne Horning, calling in uh, presidential politics. Uh, if you're not paying attention to what's going on out there, you need to wake up. Um, our election in Indiana is coming in the beginning of May. So if you are not registered to vote, uh, make your way to make sure that that happens and get that done. Uh, because if you don't, uh, there's a very real chance that uh, Donald Trump is going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, we'll talk about that more on another edition of the show. And Dem Real Diamonds, I have the information up on our website at IndieHipHop.com. I'm Cameron Rodo. I'll see you back here same time, same station next Sunday, live at 7.